0: 8 k
1: News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Hong Kong is getting its tightest coronavirus measures yet as the city deteriorates in the city. Face masks are to be made compulsory on public transport. Many venues are being told to close again and there are new rules for restaurants. And Carrie Lam warns that the opposition camp's primary polls could have been an act of subversion. Hong Kong is to tighten social distancing rules again from Wednesday amid growing worries about a third wave of coronavirus infections. The gathering limit is coming down, many businesses will have to close, and this new rule for restaurants. Tom McLinden has details.
2: Chief Executive Carrie Lam announced that face masks are going to be made mandatory for people taking public transport from Wednesday. Meanwhile, the 50-person limit on public gatherings will come back down to four. Twelve types of establishments, including gyms, karaoke, and massage parlours, will have to shut down for a week at least. Restaurants can stay open, but between 6pm and 5am the following day, they'll only be allowed to serve takeaways, with no dining inside allowed. Testing for COVID-19 is also being expanded to cover staff at elderly care homes, restaurants and property management firms as well as
1: taxi drivers health secretary sophia chan was asked at the press conference why the dine-in ban doesn't include peak breakfast and lunch hours
3: if we are closing the entire catering business, not allowing breakfast and not allowing uh, lunches, uh, this would be, also be a big disruption you know, to the community because uh, we reckon there are also people going to work. Therefore, we think it is important for us to uh, minimize the time that people are spending of dining
1: in. Infectious diseases expert Dr Leung Chi Chu from the Medical Association says the measures are a positive step but might not go far enough to curb the spread of the virus.
2: Especially, the government may have to take a lead to allow more civil servants uh, to work at home and instead of first hour, they may also try to uh, provide some essential service after office office hour or uh, instead of uh, during office hour so as to minimise uh, the number of people during the peak traffic and in fact, uh, we need to persuade uh, the private sector to uh, allow uh, uh, the staff to work at home as much as possible.
1: Health authorities earlier confirmed 52 new virus cases, including a blood donor who gave blood last week. Priscilla Ng has details.
2: 41
0: of the new cases are believed to have contracted the virus locally a record high 21 are linked to already known clusters but authorities can't yet trace the likely source of infection for 20 patients including two part-time taxi drivers and a park shop cashier another infected patient had donated blood last week at a Red Cross donation center in West Kowloon the blood was then used in a transfusion for a patient at Queen Elizabeth Hospital who has now been been placed in an isolation ward. But Hospital Authority Chief Manager Dr. Lau Ka Hin says past experiences with coronaviruses and a similar case in South Korea suggest it's not a big problem.
1: An elderly woman has become the eighth person to die in Hong Kong after catching COVID 19. The 95 year old had no symptoms when she was admitted to Eastern Hospital on Friday, but her condition worsened on Saturday and she died this evening. The Chief Executive Carrie Lam has warned that the opposition camp's primary polls at the weekend could amount to an act of subversion under the new national security law. Organisers say some 600,000 people took part in the exercise to choose candidates for September's LegCo elections. But Mrs Lam says the authorities are investigating after receiving many complaints.
3: If this so-called primary uh, election's purpose is to achieve the ultimate goal of... um uh, delivering uh, what they call a 35-plus with the objective of uh, objecting to resisting every policy initiative of the Hong Kong SAR government, then it may fall into the category of subverting the state power, uh, which is now one of the four types of offenses under the new national security law.
1: Thirteen pro-democracy activists have made their first court appearance over allegations they incited people to take part in an unauthorised June the 4th vigil at Victoria Park. The defendants include lawmaker Andrew Wan, former legislators Lee Chuk-Yan and Albert Ho, and media tycoon Jimmy Lai. No pleas were taken, and the case has been adjourned to September the 15th. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Just two days before it was due to get underway, it's been announced that the Hong Kong Book Fair is being postponed. The Trade Development Council says it made the decision after talks with the government as the territory saw a sudden surge in coronavirus infections. Timmy Sung reports.
2: The decision to put the fair off until an as yet undecided date comes after days of mounting pressure on the organiser, with medical staff and exhibitors saying it was too risky to go ahead as planned. The Trade Development Council says it held discussions with the authorities over the weekend and was advised that even with the precautionary measures planned, contact tracing after any infections would be difficult, given the huge crowds expected for the event. The health of Hong Kong people is the priority, a spokesman said. But Jimmy Pang from the 2020 Book Fair Concern Group says the decision to postpone camp too late and means exhibitors have lost money. He says books were already being moved to the exhibition centre in Wan Chai and the booths were being decorated. Now those taking part need to find storage for all the goods they ordered. Mr Pang says the group will be looking for compensation from the organiser. For its part, the Trade Development Council says a lot of people will be disappointed with the decision and they will be holding talks with those affected. Three other events scheduled for the coming week, including the Sports and Careers Expos, are also being postponed indefinitely due to the pandemic.
1: Beijing has announced retaliatory sanctions against three Republican lawmakers and a U.S. envoy in a deepening row over Beijing's treatment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Vicky Wong has details.
4: Some of the most outspoken critics of China, Senators Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, along with Congressman Chris Smith, are targeted by Beijing's action, as well as the U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback. The unspecified sanctions have been announced days after the U.S. imposed visa bans and asset freezes on several mainland officials, including the Communist Party chief in Xinjiang, Chen Chuangguo, over rights abuses in the region. Foreign Ministry spokesman Hua Chunying said the move is in response to what she called America's wrong actions. She said Beijing urges the U.S. to immediately withdraw its incorrect decision and stop words and actions that interfere in China's internal affairs and harm China's interests. She added that Beijing will make a further response depending on the development of the situation. Beijing's sanctions will also be applied on the U.S. Congressional Executive Commission on China, which monitors human rights on the mainland.
1: The whistleblower in the MTR's Shatin to Central Link construction scandal has decided to drop his judicial review over an inquiry's findings that Hung Hom Station remains safe despite substandard work carried out there. Jason Poon, a subcontractor for the project, says it's meaningless for the legal challenge to go ahead since the main contractor involved and the MTR have both refused to take part. He says he hopes LegCo will follow up on the issue instead. Last month, the government said that the contractor, Leighton, was being prosecuted by the Buildings Department over the... Botched work at Hong Kong. The American Chamber of Commerce says a survey of members suggests just over half are considering leaving Hong Kong because of concerns about the new national security law. Priscilla Ng has the details.
0: In what it calls a temperature test of members' sentiments, MCham surveyed 183 members between July the sixth and the eighth, with this figure representing around 15 percent of its total membership. Of the respondents, 41 percent said they're extremely concerned about the new law, while another 37 percent said they're somewhat concerned. Asked what specific concerns they have, most cited ambiguity when it comes to the scope and enforcement of the law, its effect on the independence of the judiciary, as well as a potential loss of freedoms. Hong Kong will no longer be a platform for investment flows and sanctuary to house contractual agreements because the rule of law no longer exists, one respondent told Am cham Another, meanwhile, said this is nothing less than the end of one country, two systems. Over 51 percent of respondents told M-Cham that the new law makes them feel less safe living and working in Hong Kong, and a similar percentage said they are considering leaving the city.
1: The chair of LegCo's House Committee, Starry Lee, says it's regrettable that the body has become what she called a protest battlefield. She made it clear all sides should be rational and tolerant to start afresh in October. She made the comments in a wrap-up of the committee's work at the end of the LegCo year. Damon Pang reports.
5: Starry Lee referred to a filibuster that delayed for months the election of a House Committee chair, saying it caused unprecedented interference in LegCo's work four bills committee halted their work because time ran out for the bills to be passed and she said this has never happened before. The DAB chair also said Lechko has passed 17 bills in the past year so far, down from 29 the year before. There are 12 bills still pending with only a few days left before the LegCo term ends. Ms Lee said she finds several things regrettable, such as increased violence both inside and outside the council, a very tense relationship between the government and the legislature, and how the House committee was turned into a protest venue. Ms Lee says pro-democracy lawmakers should bear the biggest blame for the legislative deadlock.
4: House committee is chosen as one of the place to stop government policy. As a house committee chairman point of view, even though you have different opinion, I think we have to let the council function. You cannot drag on the council for long. You cannot hijack the whole committee to such extent. Therefore, of course, I think those who hijack the committee have to be the one who hold the major responsibility.
5: Miss Lee also said it's regrettable that there's very little trust between Hong Kong and Beijing these days. She said pro-democracy lawmakers smeared everything that has to do with the mainland and claimed all laws relating to the mainland would be evil. She expressed the hope the national security law can restore stability, peace and order here for better livelihood and economic developments.
1: Taiwan is reportedly planning to enhance scrutiny over investment from Hong Kong to prevent illicit money from the mainland infiltrating its economy. Taiwan has traditionally treated investment from Hong Kong and Macau as foreign investment without the same controls and limits it has on money coming from the mainland. But the Reuters news agency says the national security law is forcing Taipei to reassess how it does business with Hong Kong. A source told Reuters that Taiwan will tweak legislation as needed to give it the legal right to review investment from Hong Kong more closely on security grounds. Floods across central and eastern China have now left more than 140 people dead or missing and are swelling major rivers and lakes to record levels. The authorities are warning that the worst is yet to come. The coronavirus ground zero of Wuhan is on an expanding list of population centers that have been put on high alert with the Yangtze rivers levels in the city hitting their third highest in history. The government says the Hong Kong Football Association has set out football for everyone as one of its goals in its new five-year plan. The association also wants to achieve international success in futsal, a hard-court game similar to five-a-side football. The Home Affairs Secretary, Kasper Tsoi, told a LegCo panel meeting that funding will be provided up to 2023 with a mid-term review at the end of 2022. A number of legislators cited the auditor report criticising the football body's governance. Mr Mr. Tsoi said the government would tighten its monitoring of the body and it would cut funding if the association doesn't perform well. Speaking through an interpreter, the sports commissioner, Jung tak Kung said the Football Association was also preparing a youth Premier League next year as a pilot.
2: I understand that for the first year they will allow the Premier League to do it, but in future other eligible teams can also join the Premier Youth League. And secondly, if the criteria of the FA are met in terms of the qualification of coaches and so on, then I think a youth football training institute could be set up.
1: Manchester City have overturned their two-year ban from European club competitions. That means Pep Guardiola's team can play in the Champions League next season. Here's the BBC's Alex Kapstick.
2: The verdict by the Court
1: of Arbitration for Sport will come as a huge relief for Manchester City and a devastating blow for UEFA.
2: The three judges dismissed the charge the club had been dishonest when providing figures for sponsorship revenue and set aside a two-year ban from European competition. They did agree that City had obstructed the investigation, although the fine was reduced to €10 million. The
1: judgment puts UEFA's financial fair play rules firmly under the spotlight. They were introduced to make clubs spend within their means, but a review would now seem inevitable. In the NFL, the franchise based in Washington, D.C. is no longer called the Redskins. The team says it's ditched the name and the Indian head logo, following criticism they're offensive to Native American. A new name for the team will be chosen later. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. Hong Kong is getting its tightest coronavirus measures yet as the situation deteriorates in the city. Face masks are to be made compulsory on public transport. Many venues are being told to close again, and there are new rules for restaurants. And Carrie Lam warns that the opposition camp's primary polls could have been an act of subversion. The news from RTHK. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Around the world, the coronavirus pandemic is continuing to accelerate. In the past 24 hours, more than 230,000 new cases have been recorded, with the Americas the worst affected area. The disease has now killed more than half a million people. The BBC's Stephanie Prentice reports.
6: As the United States recorded more than 66,000 new cases, Assistant Secretary for Health Brett Joir insisted the US didn't need to shut down, but said the virus wasn't done with humanity yet.
7: We're definitely not losing the battle, but we are certainly in the midst of it. I think, as you know, the numbers of cases have gone up uh, recently, particularly over the last month. We have several hot spots. I don't want to underestimate the seriousness of this right now. Uh, It's all hand on decks.
6: The other countries worst hit, Brazil, India, Russia and Peru, are now seeing a similar pattern of infection spikes as people are attempting to resume normal life. India has been trialling local lockdowns in areas where spikes are emerging, as has Italy, another country where lifting a strict lockdown led to a spike. And in Spain, the autonomous region of Catalonia has reimposed some restrictions. In some areas, nobody can leave the house unless for work. Spain has also made face masks mandatory in public for those aged over five. Health experts have been pushing masks as a way to reduce transmissions since the start of the pandemic, but policy around them has relied on goodwill in many countries. In the US, President Trump was seen wearing one in public for the first time at a hospital on Saturday, and in Iran, the country hardest hit in the Middle East, the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei said he was ashamed of people not wearing a mask after Iran saw a significant increase in cases since lifting restrictions. And the issue of whether facial coverings should be mandatory in the UK was being discussed in London today. With senior government minister Michael Gove saying people using common sense is the current plan.
5: I don't think mandatory, no, but I would encourage people to wear face masks when they're inside in an environment where they're likely to be mixing with others and where the ventilation um, may not be as good as it might. So I think that it is basic good manners, courtesy, consideration to wear a face mask if you are, uh, for example, in a shop.
6: Advice there which has been criticised as unclear. There have now been more than 13 million confirmed cases of coronavirus since the outbreak began in China last December, with the true figures thought to be much higher.
1: The Philippines has reported its biggest daily jump in coronavirus deaths and warned of a risk of further fatalities and infections after the easing of lockdown restrictions. Health officials have announced 162 new deaths and more than 2,100 infections. The number of COVID-19 patients has more than tripled to over 56,000 since June the 1st, when the government started allowing public transport restaurants and malls to open at limited capacities to restart the economy. A former secretary for the mayor of Seoul, who died last week in an apparent suicide, has accused him of four years of sexual harassment. Park Won-soon was one of South Korea's most influential leaders and was seen as a possible presidential candidate. His body was found in woods on Friday after a note to his family was found and his funeral began today. His death came just a day after the secretary made a police complaint about his behaviour. More than 500,000 people signed a petition saying Mr Park's state-run five-day funeral should not go ahead. Anna-Marie Evans asked our correspondent in Seoul, Frank Smith, about the former secretary's allegations
7: well today uh, lawyers representing the former secretary to the mayor now deceased mayor made accusations or elaborated on the allegations and the complaint that was made by the former secretary to the mayor um, the lawyers said that their this um, sexual abuse of the mayor had gone on for uh, something like four years and included, uh, the mayor sending texts to the woman as, and some of those in a graphic nature including the mayor in his underwear. Uh, also it involved physical contact as well. The former secretary of the mayor has also made another complaint to the police about secondary damages following uh, the death and presumed suicide of the mayor, as other people have accused her of making false accusations and and threatened uh, to track her down.
3: So how does this now proceed? I mean, obviously, the the mayor is now deceased. She's also said that she had asked for help from Seoul City Hall but was ignored.
7: Yes, that's true. Uh, There have been reports and rumours about this type of contact by the mayor toward other women at City Hall and that she had approached people at City Hall um, to try to help her but was basically turned down by them. So it's unclear right now. There have been reports that said that, you know, any investigation of the mayor would be dropped following his death. But certainly, given what the um, former secretary's lawyers said today, they want to see some investigation take place. And it's unclear at this time what the police are, are going to do with this.
3: Yeah, Now the, the former secretary also says that she was questioned all night after complaining to the police and that she was uh, shocked by her former boss's death. So what does she mean by that?
7: Well, I think this is part of perhaps the secondary damages that are involved. When she initially made the complaint, she said that the mayor was informed um, right away and that she had expected perhaps a different behavior uh, from the police department um, concerning uh, looking into her initial complaint and certainly uh, the questioning following the mayor's death would follow on with that disappointment that she she's expressing toward how the authorities are handling her complaint.
3: Now, it's also interesting, though, that there seems to be quite a widespread petition signed by half a million people who actually said that Mr Park's state-run five-day funeral should not go ahead, and that it should have been a private family affair.
7: Yes, uh, there's a lot of politics involved here. So the mayor is a very uh, strong liberal in South Korea, he's a third-term mayor, so he's been elected twice. He's also been uh, put forward as a strong candidate for the 2022 presidential elections. He's a standard bearer for the liberals here in South Korea, or had been up until his death. So the opposition party, the conservatives, are are probably going to try to make it the most of this And this also follows, we need to remember, some other transgressions made by and violations of law and crimes by other um, Liberal Party members, including An Hee Jung, who uh, just a year or so ago was convicted of raping and sexually assaulting his uh, secretary over a period of time. He's now serving three and a half years behind bars. So... The ruling Liberal Party here in South Korea is really feeling the wrath uh, and perhaps appropriate wrath of, of conservatives in this. And you can see the public, again, with that petition rallying behind this. There was also a petition to have an injunction in terms of the funeral to prevent a five-day sort of Seoul City funeral from taking place and instead only have a three-day family, typical family uh, funeral happen. But that petition was rejected by. Um, a judge uh, earlier today or, or yesterday.
1: Pope Francis has added his voice to those criticizing Turkey's decision to turn one of the world's most famous buildings, the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, back into a mosque. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has been criticized by other Christian leaders as well as the European Union and UNESCO for making the move. The BBC's Martin Bashir reports.
8: It was first constructed as a cathedral in the Christian Byzantine Empire but was converted into a mosque after the Ottoman conquest of Constantinople in 1453 and so an ancient place of worship for Christians then shifted and became a mosque. But then in 1934, under the rule of Turkey's secularising founder, Mustafa Atatürk, a decision was taken to preserve the church-turned-museum as a... uh, Sorry, mosque, as a museum, preferring neither historic religious faith. President Erdogan has been exploring ways for some time of shifting the country's secular demeanour toward a more traditional Islamic expression. And two years ago, he called for the building to be renamed as a mosque and recited a verse of the Koran within this UN World Heritage site. And his efforts came to completion last Friday when he announced that Muslim prayers would be said in Hagia Sophia, from July the 24th onwards. Before we start thinking that Pope Francis has entered the fray of a religious conflict on behalf of Christianity, I think the word saddened was carefully chosen because you'll recall that in February last year, Pope Francis made a visit to the United Arab Emirates and while there, he held hands with the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar Mosque before both of them signed an historic decla- declaration that called for peace between nations, races and religions. The published document committed both the historic Sunni Muslim community represented by the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar and the Vatican to work together in a form of interreligious brotherhood. And the document said this, we resolutely declare that religions must never incite war, hateful attitudes, hostility and extremism, nor must they incite violence, or the shedding of blood. So I think it would be perverse to interpret the Pope's intervention today as anything more than an expression of sadness. His sadness is because this previously neutral site has now, as it were, been redecorated, not as a museum, but as a mosque.
1: As the arts world looks for ways to get back on track after coronavirus lockdowns, the London-based Philharmonia Orchestra has recorded a a series of new online performances using socially distanced players. The first one available to listen to for free is with the young cellist, Sheku Kanemason, playing Saint-Saëns' first cello concerto. The BBC's Rebecca Jones spoke to the black British cellist who experienced lockdown with his family in Nottingham in
9: Central. I have very, very vivid images when I play this opening, kind of like a sea storm with all of the waves crashing with the tremolos in the strings and the running down triplets that I play in the solo part.
3: Am I right, this was your first performance with an orchestra since lockdown?
9: Yes, it's my first performance with an orchestra since since February, to hear that sound Again, the sound of an orchestra is something very, very special. And just having that sound behind me, again, was an amazing feeling. But it was a slightly reduced orchestra in size and with distances between each instrument, which was more difficult than we are used to. We are used to being much closer together and hearing each other much better. So we had to get used to being in contact with each other, but from a distance
3: but there was no audience. What difference does it make to you as a performer playing without an audience?
9: You don't have the people directly there to communicate with. And of course, at the end of the piece, there's no no applause and things like that. We kind of all applauded ourselves, which was really, really kind of sweet. There'll be
3: an empty auditorium when Sheikukane Mason and his sister play at the proms this year, but he will finally be performing in front of audiences at a series of drive-in concerts at outdoor venues across the country next month.
9: People will arrive in their cars and be in their own kind of designated spaces such that it's safe and I'll be performing on a stage kind of outdoor and amplified and so it's certainly different to anything I've done before and what I'm used to doing in terms of performance. But it'll be really, really nice because there'll be people I'm performing to.
3: With no prospect of concert halls reopening for the foreseeable future, Sheikou Kanemason is not alone in finding new ways to reach music lovers. As well as appearing with the Philharmonia Orchestra, he's been live streaming performances with his family from home. But in the longer term, he says, it's not the answer.
9: It's difficult to charge for a stream because people are so used to accessing these things for free when it's online. And so I don't think that would necessarily be a sustainable way to work because as musicians, people need to earn earn money as well as share their art with people.
3: And you had a birthday in lockdown. What was that like? Happy 21st
0: birthday, The
9: birthday was fun. We played lots of table tennis and my mum cooked some nice food and we had a dance in our living room with, with music. It was fun. Not the kind of 21st birthday I would have predicted, but it was special and certainly a memorable one for different reasons.
1: Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Sean Kennedy from our newsroom. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, take preventive measures when commuting. Avoid rush hours and busy times and take advantage of flexible working hours. Wear a mask when taking a ride. If possible, open the windows to ventilate the vehicle. Clean your hands with liquid soap and water or alcohol-based hand rub after using public transport or touching public facilities. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19
6: Live across Hong Kong This is Radio 3 January to
5: December We'll have moments to
6: re- remember Remember Remember
1: This is it The moment you've been waiting for Nostalgia all the way until 1 a.m. with Yosholy Ray Cordero. Ray Cordero. Yes. This is our kind of music. Mentovani and his orchestra, Claire de Lune.